the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On our pilgrimage through pre-Lenten Sundays to the beginning of the Great Fast, we are at the next to the last of the Sundays. It is the Sunday of the Last Judgment, but the Church does not place that in the final and therefore the most important position, that position up to which everything else has led. And that in and of itself is not without significance. This great gospel of the judgment of all flesh by God, leading up to this gospel, as you remember, in Matthew, is the gospel of the five wise and the five foolish virgins, followed immediately by the gospel of the commissioning of talents, The end of the gospel of the virgins, five of whom were wise and five of whom were foolish, was wake up. Wake up. And that counsel, that advice, comes in the form of an imperative, a command. Don't throw your mind, your life into neutral gear and coast. Stay engaged. Every moment counts. Every moment, every moment is endowed with its unique significance because there is no schedule. And therefore we can't say, oh, now I relax. Now I float down river in the canoe. Because it's not until tomorrow that I have to be at in order to see, to do. There is no schedule. The bridegroom comes unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. And therefore, all moments are ripe and pregnant with meaning. That being the case, wake up. With the talents, we are dealing with attitude. The attitude that is condemned is the attitude of the one who knows that you're a rascal. Perhaps you're not even just a rascal, maybe even you're a rat. And therefore, I don't want to fall under your censure. I'm afraid of you. So, the single talent with which you have entrusted me, I go and I hide it in the ground. But that is not the place where a talent is fruitful. That is not a place where the talent can work. And so, The whole attitude of this man, wrong from the beginning, judging others, concerned for only himself, and hiding that which he has been given. Obviously, the counsel is invest, invest the self. 
Be fruitful through the investment of yourself in those relationships with which damn or save us. And now, today's Gospel of Judgment. There is, first of all, the most obvious thing, and that is that both the saved and the damned are caught off guard. They are both startled to find where they end up, on the right with the sheep and the saved, on the left with the goats and the damned. Both say, Lord, when did we see thee? The second dimension is Christ's intensive identification of himself with the one who needs you. He who has done unto the least of these, my brethren, has done to me. He who has failed to do for the least of my brethren has failed to do for me. I am that one who is the least in your eye. I am not the one with whom it is pleasant to have dinner, whom you call frequently the sound of whose voice brings joy to your mind and to your heart. I am the one who in your mind is least, the least of these, my brethren. Isn't it curious to find out how intimately my own personal salvation is linked to the one who in my eye is least? And of course, that category of leastness is a rather fluid one. There is the person for whom I felt some contempt in elementary school, in high school, in university, the one who is perennially least, if I want to call up, to conjure the, the face of someone who is least, this guy is the one who is always, from the time I was young, least in my mind. But there are others who rotate in and out of that. It can be the person who, at another moment, is nearest and dearest to me. But at this moment, I consider you simply stupid, simply wrong. Your manner revolts me. Your behavior is abominable. You are the least in my mind. Tomorrow, of course, you may be the most important thing on earth. But while that person is playing the role in your life of leastness, for sure that person is for you, Christ. For sure that person is for you, salvation. We know that all of the people who are listed on the list of those who assist or retard our salvation are people who are needy. It's the needy ones. And if you and I have had a good breakfast are in, and are in a good mood, 
we can generally help someone. My car won't start, can you, I've got some cables, can you come and help? <clears throat> if I'm not inconvenienced by this, I even do it with a smile and perhaps even a certain eagerness. We speak here rather of needs which inconvenience us. You know that Samaritan in the story was a businessman. I don't think there's any other way of understanding how he was there in Jewry in Israel and known well enough to a Jewish innkeeper to be trusted unless he were a regular and there would be no reason for a Samaritan to be regular amongst Jews unless he were doing business with them. He then is now, time was money, he certainly was on his way somewhere, trotting along with his mule, but he stopped and took care of this guy who had fallen among thieves on the way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was not convenient but he did it. The gospel summons us to radical living because it calls us to step outside our self, our self-absorption, our self-preoccupation, what pleases myself, what displeases myself, what I like, what I don't like, what I want, what I don't want. The gospel is the continuing summons to get a grip on your life, let yourself go, and help your neighbor. It takes a great deal of courage, heart, to do that. It takes a great deal of inner equilibrium and poise to be summoned away from your own preoccupations, your own business, and to commit to the circumstances of another person. It takes a great deal of humility to do that. It is impossible for a person who is selfish. And all of those vices, whether we number them seven or eight, of the primary vices have to do with self-preoccupation, self-serving behaviors. We see in the Gospel today of Last Judgment that God sits on His throne and judges us. We may be tempted to think that we are rather passive recipients of decisions made for us elsewhere. But of course the truth of the matter is a most radical truth denied by Augustine in the West but certainly confirmed by this and next Sunday's Gospel. The truth is our salvation is in our own hand. And that is why we can be held to such a standard of accountability and responsibility. It is up to me to decide to go to the prison, 
to go where the sick one is, to give my clothing to the naked one, my food to the hungry one, my water to the thirsty one. It is in my own hand. My hand, which is connected not so much to my shoulder, but to my heart. I have to figure it out, having waked up. In a mind connected not so much to my skull, as to my heart. I have to think not only wisely, but compassionately. This Sunday, we are judged by God, we who have already judged ourselves by our compassion and our failure to be compassionate. We also must not fall into another trap which is more popular in our own time, and that is to live at a level of great abstraction. I love humanity. I find the people I live with simply impossible. Humanity. There's no such person. Humanity occurs only person by person by person. Some I like, some I don't like, some irritate me, some please me. But by the time I am an adult, because of my convictions shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the lives of the saints, I have figured out, I woke up and I decided to figure out who am I and therefore who are you, my neighbor. And that is possible because I have some conception of who is Christ. And so I must look at my spouse, my child, my parent, my neighbor, my boss, my enemy, with new eyes, Christian eyes, eyes that have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. Eyes, therefore, that see. I must hear this world with ears that hear. All of these special Sundays, themed as they are, leading us to Lent, have brought us to no other place than this place where the Gospel places us just now. And for the coming week, you and I will be thinking about these things as we prepare for the last great hurdle that we must cross before we enter Lent authentically. And that Sunday, next Sunday, where our Metropolitan himself will lead us here in the liturgy, is the Sunday in which, in all humility but also with all strength, I ask you to forgive me and I forgive you. How at odds with modern times is the gospel of Jesus Christ? In modern times, we read Sartre, the French atheist, existentialist philosopher for whom l'enfer c'est les autres, hell is other people.
looking at the century and the modern and postmodern moment, we can understand how it is that Sartre gives our times their voice. L'enfer, c'est les autres. But for us, cued by the Gospels, especially of today and next week, hell is not other people. The other is not my hell. You cannot be my hell. The other is my salvation. The other is Christ. And therefore, the other one is my eternal life. Sartre's solution to the human predicament was simplistic and shallow and selfish. It is a path that leads to death. The solution of the gospel, as you have noticed, is quite the opposite. Amen.